the difference. Thank God for Calvary. Open your Bibles again to Genesis chapter 49. Thank you to the ensemble from Commonwealth. We appreciate your preparation and appreciate your singing uh, tonight. I'm going to preach tonight on this subject. This is the title of the message, The Dangers of Inconsistency. Let me pray and then I'll get into the introduction and the message uh, this evening. Heavenly Father, as I preach a most difficult subject, because Lord, all of us have a weak and a fallen flesh, and all of us hunger to be consistent. And Lord, it is such a struggle, not just because of the world, and not just because of the attacks of Satan, but our own flesh is weak. And I pray that tonight you would help us that we would hunger to be more consistent in our Christian life. Help me as I preach on this difficult subject as I do not preach with a spirit of condemnation but a spirit of encouragement and one of help. And yet we deal with a very difficult story in the Bible. And Holy Spirit of God help us I pray to receive the truth not just to be heard, but the truth to be obeyed in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Perhaps one of the most difficult challenges, and for me the most difficult challenge of maturing, not just as a Christian, but into an adult, was the development of consistency in my life. I recall the days of becoming a teenager and the expectations increased of responsibility and my own expectations increased and the expectation of my parents and others and then as a young adult how I wanted to become and how I wanted to be a stable consistent and productive individual as well as a productive Christian I was learning month by month I was learning as a teenager I, I was learning I was learning the word of God I had read and memorized for many years, uh, months on end, uh, memorizing passages of scripture. Uh, through my teen years, I was reading uh, biographies of great men and women. I was reading uh, the charactered lives, uh, the stories of the charactered lives of uh, folks, and it challenged me to want to become a person of maturity, a person of consistency. I would set out to become a faithful Bible reader. I would desire to become a faithful person of prayer and to be consistent in that. I would set out to become a faithful witness for the Lord, to be faithful in giving out gospel tracts and faithful in speaking up, faithful in going out working to win people to Christ. I wanted to be consistent in my emotions. I wanted to be a stable, happy, and a positive Christians, Christian. I would make commitments and then uh, time after time uh, after the motivation of a conference or the excitement of a commitment uh, would wear off, I would fail uh, in my commitments. Sometimes I would say I'm not going to commit to do that anymore. I don't want to be a failure. But the worst kind of failure is not the person who tries and fails. The worst kind of failure is the person who doesn't try at all. So I was back to the place of my 
consistency and my commitment uh, of being and doing what is right to, to being challenged again. I would go to the altar and I would ask the Lord to help me, and I still do. I was here this morning. I was the first at the altar today, as I always am on Sunday. I, I, I don't want to... I don't, I don't want to be a preacher that stands in judgment. I want to be a preacher that, that as a shepherd leads and loves his sheep. I want us to take this journey of the Christian life together. I'm not trying to drive us. I'm doing with all of my heart and desire to lead us as a Christian and to be a consistent Christian. I hunger today to be a Christian who is faithful. I hunger today to be a Christian who is committed one who is consistent and stable in my life, my actions, my emotions, and my life as a child of God. In Genesis chapter 49, we have one of the most difficult stories, and what a challenge it is. It's a very negative story. And uh, Jacob calls his children together, and uh, it is a time at his age and time in life uh, to give them their inheritance. And I would uh, plead with you, uh, to listen to every word that I have to say. I promise you, every word is planned. And I, I won't be long tonight, but, but it's very important what I'm preaching tonight. And uh, in, in chapter 49, we have uh, the 12 sons who we refer to as the tribes of Israel. Uh, we have the 12 sons. They come before Jacob, and he speaks to each one of them. And Reuben is the first one. And I imagine as the other boys heard what Jacob said to Reuben, they said, I hope dad goes to sleep before he gets to me. Or maybe even he passes out or passes away before he gets to me after what he said to Reuben because he was very honest. He was very forthright in what he said. Reuben was a man with great potential. Reuben was the firstborn. He was one of great expectation. Listen to me. He never accomplished the will of God for his life because he became an inconsistent individual. Up and down, in and out. Quit today, excited tomorrow. I'll never and we'll never get rid of our failures. We'll never get rid of the extreme, highly emotional days. But if we can stay away from as many failures as we can, and we can bring into balance in our life a consistent life, I promise you that's the life that's blessed by the Lord. He calls his sons together and he speaks to them as he comes to the close of his life. And I want us to see how he addresses Reuben as we deal with the subject of being consistent. I suspect that Reuben expected to hear words of blessing from his dying father. He expected to receive a birthright. He expected to be recognized by Jacob as the head, as the firstborn of the family. But when Jacob begins to speak, he does acknowledge the place of Reuben's birth. He also referenced the potential that Reuben had within the family. He was the firstborn. Great things were expected of him. But as Jacob continues his speech, the words that Reuben heard shattered his world, demolished his hopes and plans and dreams. Now, why would God put a story like that in the Bible? 
He would do that so we would say, I don't want to be like Reuben. I want to be a stable, consistent Christian. Teenagers, young people, college students pay close attention as no doubt Reuben was a, uh, an adult man. He is not a child. He is not a teenager. He's an adult man. And he is hearing what his father has to say. Jacob looked at his eldest and he said that Reuben was unstable as water. Look at verse number 3. Genesis 49. Reuben, thou art my firstborn, my might, and the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity, and the excellency of power. And then he says this, unstable as water. Thou shalt not excel. Because thou wentest up to thy father's bed, then defilest thou it. He went up to my couch. What does it mean to be unstable as water? The word unstable refers to the boiling of water. It refers to a pot of boiling water that is in a constant motion. Reuben-like water, an unstable compound when it is poured out, it seeks the lowest level. When it's exposed to cold, it freezes. When it's exposed to heat, it boils. And eventually, water evaporates and disappears. And instead of being a leader among his brethren, he was unstable and ever-changing. And Jacob told Reuben, he said, you will never excel and that his descendants would never rise to prominence. And they didn't. Study the history of Israel. And you'll see that the tribe of Reuben receives very little mention in the nation's history. You'll not find a single judge, prophet, ruler, military leader, or influential person from the tribe or family of Reuben. Reuben was often found on the wrong side of conflict, such as Judges chapter 5. The sons of Korah, who would later stand against Moses, that would so stir the wrath of God that the earth would open up and swallow them. Numbers chapter 16, they were from the tribe of Reuben. The tribe of Reuben never did excel in the kingdom. Why? He was inconsistent. He was unstable as water. Now why was such a harsh prophecy given to Reuben? The answer is in verse number 4. And I ask that you please give me your attention again. Jacob names a sin that had been hidden for years. Look at me. Jacob names a sin of Reuben that had been hidden for years. It was a sin that involved immorality and it was hidden. Jacob the father knew about it and he wanted Reuben to get rid of this, un, of this, of this hidden sin and this unconfessed sin in his life. He never dealt with that sin. He carried it through life, hoping that it would go away. The only way to get rid of sin in our life 
is to confess the sin to the Heavenly Father. And they do not ignore and dissolve. You do not ignore them. You do not cover them up and hide them. Hidden sin will always haunt. Hidden sin will always bring a, a corrosiveness to the joy and the gladness of the Christian life. Hidden sin will corrode uh, your confidence in the work of God. And Jacob, he has not said anything as far as the scriptures are uh, tell us. He has not said anything to Reuben. But when it comes time for him to take his place in the world and place of leadership, as Jacob dies and goes off the scene, he said, Reuben, you are as unstable as water, and it is because of sin back there that was never confessed and never forsaken. I don't know about you, but it just frightens me to think that I have a potential that I can't reach the will of God that I can't fulfill because of a hidden sin. Children, don't, don't live with the misery of a hidden sin in your life. Teenagers, don't, don't live with hidden sin in your life. Adults, don't live with hidden sin in your life. Jacob would have, would have accepted the confession of his son if he would have just come to him and said, Dad, I've committed sin and I'm sorry, I'm wrong. And there could have been joy and gladness, but there was not. His life was unstable because of hidden sin. For 40 years, Jacob waited on a confession that never came. Reuben never dealt with the sin and it cost him greatly. That sin caused him to be unstable. And that unstable uh, behavior in his life cost him his birthright. It cost his descendants. It cost him the respect and blessing of the father. It was a high price to pay for trying to keep his sin secret. Don't let the devil lie to you and tell you that sin will satisfy. Sin never satisfies. It always brings a corruption. It always steals our joy. It always steals our gladness. Oh, but the wonderful thing, the Bible tells us if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and stability and consistency in the Christian life begins with a heart that we keep clean in the sight of God. Perhaps the greatest prayer that David prays is, Search me, O Lord. He doesn't go to God and say, God, I've cleaned this room for you and I've cleaned this part of my life and I've cleaned this part of my life and then to leave a part unmentioned. The, uh, David prays and he says, Holy Spirit, I open the door. You come in and search and you tell me where it needs to be cleaned. I don't want to confess the sins, just the ones that hurt me and keep the sins that I enjoy. I want to confess everything that God says is sin because I want to have a clean and a happy relationship with my Father so I can live a consistent Christian life. I say tonight we need to keep short accounts with God. And may I say like Reuben, whose father knew what he had done 40 years ago. Our father already knows. He knows when we fail. He 
He knows when we sin, why would we try to keep it and hide it and hope that it dissolves? The quickest dissolving power of sin, the greatest solution to take away sin is a confession, a repentance, and God takes it all away. Take your Bibles and go to Hebrews chapter 4, and let's look quickly here at Hebrews chapter 4. When we recognize Jacob knew, and no doubt he watched his son And he watched the instability and the inconsistency of Reuben. And he knew what was causing it. He knew that it was hidden sin. I beg with you tonight. I plead with you tonight. Children and teens, college students, adults of all ages. Let's not let sin weight us down from accomplishing God's good will in our life. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 13. The Bible says... Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. But by the way, this is a precursor. This verse is before the verse in verse number 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God loves us. Jacob loved his son Reuben. He wanted things to be right. God loves you tonight. He wants us to be consistent. Now here's here's the temptation. We either say, I'm going to stop setting goals because I'm a failure. And I don't want to fail anymore. There's a great burden of, 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 of just coming to the place that you say, I quit. It's a terrible feeling to quit. So then we're dealt with, we, we, we're left with the choice of just saying, okay, I'm going to try again. I'm going to get up, I'm going to go again, and I'm going to work at being consistent in my life. Decide today that you want to become a consistent child of God. Decide today that you want to be consistent in your prayer life. Decide today that you want to be consistent in your walk with God. Decide today you want to be consistent in your reading of the Word of God. Decide today that you want to become consistent in being a faithful witness for Christ. Decide today you want to be consistent in your emotions. When our emotions lead us to say or commit to something we don't have time to do. To bring our emotions back down uh, to a level that says I can't give what I don't have. I can't do what I don't have time to do. And yet on the other hand that keeps us from being negative and never volunteering and never offering to give. May God help us to be consistent in our emotions. Consistent in our work completed. I read recently the harmful effects of a business by business associates that are inconsistent. And I read five things. I'll give them to you quickly because they do relate to the spiritual message tonight. And and, and the same is true across the board, whether it's business or church or family or marriage. If, If you're inconsistent, their judgment is not trusted in making decisions. If you're inconsistent... You're not trusted by your teammates. Number three, they did not follow through on objectives and tended to get distracted and go to other things than what they're supposed to be committed to do. Number four, they often failed to achieve agreed upon goals. 
Number five, inconsistence. They resist taking steps to improve because they don't want to recognize their failure. So how is it tonight that we become consistent in our Christian life? Let me give you these five simple things. Consistency. And I want to tell you, consistency is like riding a bicycle. You got to keep pedaling. You got to keep pedaling. It's not an easy thing. It's not easy to stay consistent. It's not easy to stay faithful. It's not easy to stay committed. But we ought to decide tonight, I want to work at this matter of being consistent. I don't want to be like Reuben who is unstable as water. Number one, let's keep our sin confessed. Let's stay right with God. And let's let God decide about that. One story I've told through the years, a woman said to a preacher, you said to confess my sins, and I really, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know of any. And he told her, he said, get on the altar and just guess at them. <laughs> Better than guess at it, let's let the Holy Spirit examine our lives. Holy Spirit, examine my attitude. Examine my actions. Examine every room. Examine my motives of life. A hunger I desire. You see, when you have inspection, there is a commitment when we know inspection's coming. At camp this past summer, I think we had, well, we have 13 guys and 17 gals on staff. I believe that was right. And a couple of times I went into the guys' cabin unannounced. And it wasn't good. And so after some instruction, the next week I said ahead of time, an hour ahead of time, preacher will be there in an hour to inspect the cabins. There was a, there was, well, business picked up in town, I'll just tell you that. And I went in and I said, wow, this is quite amazing. But when I ask the great inspector of heaven to inspect my life, it helps me to keep my life in order. Brother Holguin just graduated and became a trooper. Serves our state and we're thankful for that. If you've watched to any level of the state police training, there is a high level of expectation. And not just expectation, a daily accountability. We need to live our lives knowing that the high sheriff of heaven, the Holy Ghost of God, is close to us. And we want to live a life that's clean before him. I want to say second of all, to live a Christian life, we need to read about and study those who had and have a consistent life. This is one of the things that really helped me in my Christian life because we, 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 we say, well, I just can't do that. You'd be amazed at what we can do physically, what we can do emotionally, what we can do in every area of life when we are committed to do that. Paul talked about those that run in a race, that they control what they eat, they control how they live because they want to be a winner. And when you read of those in history that had a high level of consistency and a high level of achievement, when you read that, it challenges you in your life to say, if they can by the grace of God, I can by the grace of God as well. 
We need to read those stories of Joseph who was faithful and consistent through the ups and downs and difficulties of life. We need to read of men like Job who was faithful and a consistent child of God. We need to read of men like Paul who was a man of faithful consistency in the will of God. I remember reading the Fox's Book of Martyrs and how folks would even volunteer. They would volunteer their information to say, I am a Christian volunteering to be a martyr for Christ. And I thought if they can have that level of commitment, it challenged my commitment. Surely I can be faithful in soul winning. If they're faithful, if they're willing to give their life, I can give my two hours. If they're faithful to give their life and to be burned at the stake as William Tyndale was, certainly I can be consistent in reading the word of God. That's why the Bible was given. The Bible said these were given as our ensamples or not just a sample. There's a difference in the word an ensample and an example. It is a sample of. I like to go to those stores that give samples. You know what I mean? God said, let me give you a sample of victory, a sample of consistency. I need that example in my life to live a consistent life. I want to say number three, we must learn to die to self. We must say to our flesh, you're not in control anymore. There is a new king on the throne. There is a new king on the throne. It is not me. It is Jesus. I am not the Lord of my life. Christ is the Lord of my life. And the Holy Spirit of God is the power that can give me the victory over the flesh. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means when I preach to others I myself should be a castaway. He said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 31, I die daily. Paul didn't say, I make sure I attend a conference or revival once a year and to have myself stirred and reset. He said, every day I have to die. Every day I have to die. Every day I have to die to the flesh and say, you will not do what you want to do. You will obey the Holy Spirit of God that is within us. I said, number one, keep sin confessed. I said, number two, read and study of those who have had and have a consistent life. Number three, learn to die to self daily. Number four, spend time with people of consistency. Elijah said to Elisha, who no, who no doubt was a leader in the school of the prophets. He said, the day is coming that I'll be taken up to heaven you can tarry here while I go and he named the next town. And Elisha said, I'm going with you. You know what he was saying? I want to learn from your commitment. I want to learn. And he said he wanted a double portion of the spirit of Elijah. I've learned consistency by spending time with those that are committed and consistent in their life. There are folks in this church, they've been a Christian many years. There are folks in this church, they've been parents and grandparents for many years. And you always find them in their place. They're consistent. Those are the people to have fellowship with. Those are the people to spend time with that will help us in our Christian life. And quickly, I'll give you number five. Learn to set limits in our life. Too many people want to live on the edge of failure. I want to live as far away from failure as I can. I want to stay as close to success as I can. I don't want to ask the question all the time. 
well, I don't see anything wrong with this. I don't see anything wrong with this. I want to live my life saying I want to do what's right to do, not what's questionable about right or wrong. Let's live. Number five, let's learn to set limits in life and keep ourselves close to success. I'm going to stop preaching right there. Stand with me, if you will. I, with you tonight at the altar, bow my heart, my head, and put a bended knee at this altar and say, Lord, please help me to be consistent in my life. I want to be consistent in my prayer life, my walk with God, my Bible reading, my witness, my emotions, my motives of life, a hunger. Lord, help me be consistent. Heavenly Father,